what I'm talking about today. We're in a series and we're actually finishing it up today called God Has a Plan. What kind of God would he be if he didn't have a plan? Would you work at a place that didn't have a plan? It would be very frustrating. You probably wouldn't stay there long. But you need to know that God has a plan. And you're in it. You personally, individually, are in His plan. You're not an accident. Your parents might have said you were. But God doesn't say you are. God saw you. God made you happen. And He brought you into existence. And He says, you are in my plan. So today we're going to talk about this. God's plan always has a plot twist. God can be a little dramatic at times. If you read throughout Scripture, there are times that God was extremely dramatic and is pretty awesome. In fact, I think a lot of the rapture has to do with being just dramatic. I mean, graves are going to open. Why? Well, the dead are going to raise. Why? God likes a little bit of drama. He's going to showcase what he's doing, and he wants the world to know what he's doing. And boy, when he shows up and does something, he does it big. And you need to know that in your life, God will have plot twists in your life. He will have those moments when it seems like the chips are down and nothing is working, when suddenly it all comes to pass and you go, oh man, what a God. When you're watching a movie or reading a book, probably the greatest moment of the book or the movie is the plot twist. When, you, when you've gotten to a place where you're like, man, something's got to change really quick or I'm just going to turn this off. And sometimes life feels that way. Something's got to change or I'm just going to do something to get out of this. I'm going to have comfort whatever way I can. And God says, if you'll wait, if you'll trust, I will bring a plot twist to your story if you'll trust me. You see, God loves providing a good plot twist to your life. He loves it. How do I know that? Because I've gotten to know him by reading the scripture and understanding how he worked in some people's lives all for for thousands of years, for the 6,000 years of humans' existence. This is how God did things in people's lives. And I got to be honest with you, he's done it in my own life. He brings a plot twist to my life time and time again when I just need it. See, God loves for people also to look at your life and see what you were and what you did go through, all the struggle and problems that you went through. God loves for people in your life to look at all of that and suddenly see a plot twist where he changed everything. And you're going to have to go through things in your life that are struggles, that are problems, that are difficulties, and you're going to have to say, God, I trust you in spite of all of this. God, I'm faithful. I've done everything that I can. Okay, yes, I've made mistakes and whatever, but God, I trust you anyway, and you're going to bring me to that moment where all things make sense and you bring a plot twist to my life. Listen, I'm looking at people that some of you were real losers before you came to Jesus. But God brought a plot twist to your life, didn't he? He changed you. And you're different. You're different. 
Some of you, though, today, you feel like your life is spiraling out of control. You feel this weight. You feel distrusting. I don't have to promise you. He has promised you. If you'll wait, and if you'll trust Him, suddenly, things are going to change. And you know, God loves to mess with the religious snooty people. He loves to mess with them. He loves to wipe the religious smug smile off a religious person's face who thinks they have the corner of the market with God, who thinks they know the principles of God's movement in people's lives, who thinks they know the requirements of God. And they look into our lives and they say, well, if God were in your life, he wouldn't be allowing that or doing that in your life. You must have sin in your life. And they, they sound so reasonable, but God loves to wipe that smile off that person's face. Don't you know it? Beware. That person that maybe you've written off as ungodly could be God himself. Isn't that what they thought about Jesus? There's no way he could be God. God wouldn't allow his disciples to pick corn on the Sabbath. There's no way he could be the Messiah. There's no way he could be the Messiah. There's, he let that woman wash his, his feet with her hair and tears. There's no way the Messiah would allow, would allow that to happen. Not only that, but she was a woman of ill repute. That's ridiculous. Why would Jesus allow that to happen? And boy, did God wipe that smile off their faces. God loves to have plot twists. He loves for those who look unholy or those who look bad or those who look like they're struggling, those who look like they're going through difficult times and they look like God's judgment is on them. And that's exactly what Jesus looked like hanging on the cross. His judgment was on him is what they thought. But boy, was there a plot twist. He died but he rose again, didn't he? And boy, did the smile get wiped right off their faces. You've got to be careful. God could be the trash man. God could be that person at work that just drives you crazy. Watching for a plot twist. God could be the driver next to you or in front of you. Better be careful on 380. It could be God. Because God loves to bring plot twists. He loves to shock you into existence sometimes. See, all throughout the Bible we see where God provided these moments in people's lives, sudden, unexpected changes in the story. This, and understand when I say this, this is pretty heavy. When I say this is a characteristic of God, I mean this is God's character. This is something ingrained in who he is that you, we're trying to get to know who he is, what he likes and doesn't like. Right. That's our that's what we focus on here. And when I say this is a characteristic of God, you need to understand this is something God always does. This is something he's always involved in. He loves to bring plot twists to people's lives to organizations like his body. 
He loves those things. Why? Because the extremeness of the situation allows him to be seen on planet Earth. And if you want to see God working in your life, guess what? You've got to go through the difficult times so that the plot twist can happen and you can, you can see his glory. That's scriptural. Another way to say this is this. He's the God that turns the table. You ever heard of that? So if you're playing chess, and, or if you see a couple of guys playing chess, and there's, there's one guy that's like five moves behind, but then suddenly the plot twists. Isn't that fun to watch? Uh, or when there's a, you're playing cards and the dealer keeps throwing bad cards to one person and, and she finally starts getting every card that she draws is exactly what she needs and the plot twist, right? It, what happened? They say it, the table turned is what they said. That's what it means, the table turned. And the Bible is full of stories with plot twists and the table turned. Suddenly, God came through, and he'll do that for you. So this is the case with the beginning of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, this is how it all started, and this is how God has functioned all throughout these years. Remember Abraham's wife, Sarah? She couldn't have a baby for a long time. All the other women were having babies, but she was barren. She grew to be 90 years old without a baby. Anybody here 90 yet? No? Some of you are feeling close to that. <laughs> Can you imagine? Suddenly, the plot twisted, and she got pregnant at 90 years old? All the ladies say, oh, me. <laughs> 90 years old. She, God gave her the promised child, Isaac, at 90 years old old the plot of her life twisted the table turned didn't it well isaac's wife her son grew up had a wife her name was rebecca she gave birth to twins remember the story we talked about this a few weeks ago esau and jacob jacob was the youngest and jacob was not supposed to receive the birthright blessing he was not supposed to, to, to have the uh, birthright at all, but his son or his brother sold him the birthright, and his father gave him the double portion blessing. The tables turned for Jacob. God did that. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jacob. He's a son. Yeah. Jacob's wife then, Jacob got married. His wife was Rachel. The lovely wife. He also had a wife named Leah. He loved Rachel, though. He worked for 14 years to receive Rachel as his wife. But his father-in-law, Laban, sneaked in Leah. It's a great story if you haven't read it. Because she was the firstborn of his daughters. He made him marry Leah first. He actually tricked him into it. And Jacob woke up the next morning and was like, Who are you? Why are you here? I married the wrong woman. But Rachel was the one that he loved. And Rachel couldn't have a baby. For some reason, God kept her womb from opening during that time. Well, she ended up having two children. Later in her life, she had two children. Joseph, who we've been talking about. And she died, actually, having Benjamin giving birth. 
The plot twisted. Everything changed suddenly in her life when she had Joseph. And God brought that to pass. And God gave her the ability to be a part of something great in the kingdom of God. She had to trust him. She had to believe. And because of his great love for Rachel, though, Jacob loved his two boys, Joseph and Benjamin, more than he loved the ten sons that Leah had given him. And because of this great love for Rachel, it was something that kept him focused on those two boys as opposed to the other two. And over the last three weeks in this series, you and I have seen with Joseph, the one son, we have seen so many plot twists and turns in the last few weeks in this story. Like Joseph was sold into slavery. He gets into Egypt, sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar, and suddenly he's over a palace, the plot twisted. But then Potiphar's wife, she, she wanted to make sport of him, and she tried to, tried to get him to sleep with her, and it was a horrible situation. He said, no, how could I do such a thing against my living, the living God? God loves me. He said, no, I'm not going to do this. So he ends up in prison for 10 years because she falsely accused him of trying to sleep with her. What a horrible woman. So he ends up in prison. The plot became thick, right, as we would say. And he had to wait and trust God. And we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. Ten years in prison, 13 years since he was sold into slavery. And suddenly the plot twisted. He woke up that morning in prison, but he ended up being the prime minister of Egypt that day. Just instantly, in a moment, God changed the plot of his story, his life story. What an amazing story it is. And so today we're going to pick up on that story in Genesis chapter 42. And it's been 22 years at this point since he was sold into slavery. And Joseph is 39 years old. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery. And now he's 39 years old. And you can imagine Jacob, his father, that loved him so much, thought he was dead for these 22 years. You can imagine how many times he replayed watching his son walk out the door that last time because he sent him to go check on his brothers. And how much he regretted sending his son to go check on his brothers that day that they sold him into slavery. And he thought he was dead. And here it is, 22 years later. And Joseph is in charge of Egypt, second only to the king, the Pharaoh. For the last nine years at this point, since he came out of prison and was put in charge, it's been nine years. Remember, it was supposed to be seven years of feast and seven years of famine. So they're two years into the famine at this point where we pick up the story today. And you remember, he had them build a 250-mile canal, and it's still there today called Bar Yusuf, named after him. It's still there to this day, and it runs parallel to the Nile, 250 miles so that they could stock up on as much grain as they possibly could. It's an absolutely fascinating story. He's also known as the architect and the and the uh, he's the architect of the Great Pyramid, the first pyramid, the Step Pyramid. Uh, all of this was documented. We talked about it last week. Go back and watch last week's sermon. It's pretty awesome. We've got I mean, there's pictures of stuff and I'm going to show you something in just a minute that will refresh you from last week. But he was also known as the chief physician. This is stuff that is just that's also extra biblical. This was a stone tablet that stands next to the Nile that has this all written in stone of what, what Joseph did. So he was known as the architect of the, of the pyramid, the step pyramid. He was a great, he was a chief physician. He was also known 
as a seer, one who is able to hear from God that sees the future. That's what this stuff, extra biblical stuff, also said about him. So it lines completely up with the Bible, and the story is perfectly with the Bible. And, and it's so interesting. He built grain vats to store the grain and, and to have a store for the grain to be purchased, which is still here to this day. So here's what the grain vats look like today. the step pyramid once there they descended the stairway next to the storage bins handed their sack to a worker who filled it and returned it to them then they exited through a small door on the lower level which led to the outside of the complex isn't that amazing to see that's there today that's, I mean, that was what Joseph built. He did all of this. It's amazing. So we come to Genesis chapter 42. There were, and, and they've been two years into the famine here. And back home, his father, his brothers, they were in trouble. Already just two years into the famine, they were in trouble. They needed food. They needed water because water was going away as well. And you can imagine, they had kids. They had grandkids running around. This entire family they needed food. And so it says, when Jacob learned that there was food in Egypt, he said to his sons, and this sounds so much like my dad, why do you sit around here and look at one another? What are you doing? Just going to sit around here and look at each other and die? I've heard there's food in Egypt, guys. Go down there and buy some so that we can survive and not starve to death. This is common sense, boys. Go get some food. There's food there. So 10 of the brothers went, which tells you how bad the situation actually was. They left Benjamin at home. Why? Because he's the father's favored child, right? He belonged to Rachel. So Joseph's brothers left Benjamin, and they went down to Egypt to get some food. And it says Joseph was running the country. Whew. What a powerful statement. Joseph was running the country. He was the one who gave out rations to all the people. When Joseph's brothers arrived, they treated him with honor, bowing to him. Do you remember the dreams? It happened. Joseph recognized them immediately. This is fun. If you're, not, if you're not awake, wake up. This is great. This is a great story, all right? But he treated them as strangers and spoke roughly to them. Oh, yeah. This is great. He said, where do you come from? Now, he's speaking in a different language at this point, and they, they're interpreting him. Uh, from Canaan, we came to buy food. 
Joseph knew who they were, but they didn't know who he was. Joseph, remembering the dreams he had dreamed of them, the dreams that one day his family would bow to him. And it had nothing to do with him being of great position. It had everything to do with him taking great responsibility to save their lives. That's different than them just bowing to him, isn't it? He had dreamed and said, you, you're spies. You've come to look for our weak spots. Oh, man, the plot is thickening for them, isn't it? You can imagine for the last 22 years, Joseph had seen this moment. He had played it out in his mind's eye. He saw that this was going to come to pass and it was going to happen. And he knew that what God had said was going to happen is going to happen. He played it out in his mind. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. Listen, he believed all those years that one day his brothers were going to come and bow to him at some point and they were going to be brought into account for what, what they did. Now listen, this wasn't an unfamiliar moment for him. He wasn't like, oh man, I hadn't thought about this. What would I do if my brother showed up? That's not what happened at all. He knew exactly what he was going to say. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he had rehearsed it over and over in his mind. Why? Because he believed the plot was going to twist. He believed the table was going to turn towards him one day. He believed it. And part of your preparation for when the plot twists in your life is you've got to right now be visualizing it. You've got to see what isn't as though it is. That's called faith. And look what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. What's he saying? He's saying faith is looking forward and believing in something that you can't see yet. It's rehearsing it in your mind. One day, one day things are going to be better. One day things are going to be different. This is what God has said. You've got to rehearse it in your mind. You've got to begin to see success and help from God in your life. You've got to begin to see your children and grandchildren flourishing. What's wrong with seeing your business flourishing? What's wrong with that? Visualize your spouse and you 20 years from now still together, but enjoying it. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, don't say amen to that one. (laughs) Imagine your church family flourishing. Imagine that. See yourself being a part of that with excellence, doing your part in ministry. Well, John, I don't see myself doing that. I've messed up. I've failed too many times. I've I've not trusted God. Listen, all of this is leading up to a plot twist so that you will see what God has done in your life and what he's willing to do in other people's lives. So you can give me all of these excuses and reasons why God would never use you but it's leading up to a plot twist. You've got to begin seeing what your life would look like free from addiction. You've got to begin seeing what your life would look like free from debt. Free. God wants to bring bring freedom to you. Visualize yourself someday. One day, it's going to happen. And it may seem like the people in your life that are doing bad, living bad, biting and grabbing and trying to win, that one day it may seem like they're winning and and that's the way it's always going to be. But one day there's going to be a plot twist. 
And listen, it may seem like the whole world is against you. When bad things happen to you, it may seem like God has even lifted his protection from you. But you better know that like Joseph, the Lord is with you always. And you better wait because the deeper and greater the struggle that you're going through is, the greater the twist is going to be. And boy, it's going to be awesome. God loves. He loves to bring twists to the plot. What's your story? Joseph began to live out the dreams. Suddenly his brothers are standing before him. And suddenly his brothers are bowing. Joseph accused them of being spies. He had a He had a thought process of how he's going to do this, how he's going to get his whole family there. And they said, no, no, we're not spies. We're not spies. We've just come to buy food. We're here. We're not not here to do that. There were 12 of us brothers, and they started to explain, sons of the same father in the country of Canaan. The youngest is with our father, and one is no more. And they're staring him in the face. So Joseph, with great wisdom, has a way to get his family there. You know, I mean, think about this. How hilarious it would have been for him to jump up and go, surprise! (laughs) It's me, you scallywags! I mean, he could have really just laid it out there. Bow to me. Bow now, or I'll throw you to the lions. I mean, he could have really just built it up. But Joseph restrained himself and says, no, 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 you guys are spies but I'm going to give you a chance to prove yourselves. Let's read it. This is how I will test you. As Pharaoh lives, you're not going to leave this place until your younger brother comes here. Send one of you to get your young brother, your brother, while the rest of you stay here in jail. We'll see if you're telling the truth or not. As Pharaoh lives, I say you're spies. Then he threw all of them into jail for three days. So he didn't even let one of them go. On the third day, Joseph spoke to them. Do this and you'll live. I'm a God-fearing man. If you're as honest as you say you are, one of your brothers will stay here in jail while the rest of you take food back to your hungry hungry families. But you have to bring your youngest brother back to me, confirming the truth of your speech, and not one of you will die. They agreed. Then they started talking among themselves. Now we're paying for what we did to our brother. And this is so descriptive. Let it sink in. We saw how terrified he was when he was begging us for mercy. We wouldn't listen to him, and now we're the ones in trouble. The table has turned. Reuben broke in. (laughs) Didn't I tell you? I told y'all. Reuben saved his life that day that they sold him. I said, don't hurt the boy, but no, you wouldn't listen. And now we're paying for his murder. Joseph had been listening, had been using an interpreter. So this explains Joseph had been talking to them in another language, using an interpreter. So they didn't know that he could understand what he was saying, what they were saying. And it says, Joseph heard every word and he turned away from them and cried. When he was able to speak again, He took Simeon and had him tied up. Simeon must have been really bad. He had him tied up, making a prisoner of him, 
while they all watched. After 22 years, you willing to wait 22 years to see God move in your life? Was it worth it? In John chapter 4, one day Jesus was at a well waiting for his disciples to bring back McDonald's. <laughs> and he's there hanging out. And a woman comes out from the town to get some water. And Jesus wasn't supposed to talk to her because she was a Samaritan. But he starts talking to her. And he has this conversation. Now, come on, the woman had had five husbands already. And she's living with a guy that she's not even married to. Horrible reputation. But the tables were about to turn. And Jesus brought her into the kingdom. And that woman went on to be a great woman of God. And the history of her life is absolutely fascinating. It's a story for another day. But the woman at the well, God brought a huge plot twist to her life. And she served him until she was a martyr for him. On another day, Luke chapter 19, Jesus was passing through Jericho and there was, a, there was a guy there, he was a tax collector, his name was Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He was a little guy and he wanted to see Jesus. He had heard about him, but he was too short, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree like the sycamore trees in the back here, just beautiful trees. He climbed up in there and he was watching as Jesus approached when Jesus got under that tree, the scripture says he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. A man that was known in the community as a thief, using power and corruption to hurt the people. Jesus said, I'm going to his house today, not to the religious people that say, no, God's not in this, but to the people that want me, will see that I am God and that I love people like Zacchaeus. And he went to his house that day and it says when, look at what it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, oh, he's gone to the guest of a sinner. The table turned. The plot twisted. Zacchaeus gave his life to God that day. And the scripture says that he repaid anybody that he stole from four times what he stole from them. And he gave his possessions, half of his possessions to the poor. His life was changed. All of this was meaningless except for the fact that the plot twisted and this became way more meaningful because of how horrible this life was. That's what happens when Jesus comes into your life and you change your life for him. Oh, come on, folks. Joseph had gone all his life, 39 years with his brothers, having the upper hand. His brothers doing him wrong. But the story changed instantly. Listen, 
Don't stop believing. Hold on. Wait. Be patient. Trust Him. He has a plan. He has a plan. has a plan. Start visualizing your future when the plot twists. Can you see it? See yourself doing God's work in your life. So much so that you don't have to worry about yours. You see, your God, the God of the Bible, loves to provide those plot twists in your life. Sing, David, would you come? If the, if the table hasn't turned yet, it will. It's just not time yet. See, God is the master of time. Sarah didn't have that baby till she was 90. You know why? Because... God the Father knew exactly when he wanted Jesus to be born. Luke was a Syrian doctor. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke. He wasn't one of the disciples. He was a Syrian doctor. And after Jesus raised from the dead, he became a believer. He accepted him into his life. He was so intrigued by the story, especially as a doctor, that someone would raise from the dead. He went around and he started interviewing everybody that firsthand had seen Jesus and knew of his teachings. And so he recorded it in the book called Luke, the Gospel Luke. And when he was interviewing Mary, the mother of Jesus, she must have given him a song that she wrote when she was pregnant with Jesus. Because he recorded that song in his, in his book, and I want to read it to you. <clears throat> she wrote, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant." humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Do you see the twist? She was humble, just an ordinary 13-year-old girl when she got pregnant. And she didn't get pregnant by some guy and get messed up. She was chosen by God to carry God. And this humble woman saw a huge plot twist. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered 
those who are proud. Oh, the plot twisted, right? He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's what her entire song was about, how God brings justice, how God changes the plot and turns the table. That's what the entire song is about. And that's what your life is about. Before Christ, after Christ. Before God moved, after God moved. And right now, maybe you're in this time of, uh, this period of time when life really sucks. But God says, listen, if you'll trust me, at some point, I'm going to change things. I'm going to twist the plot and things are going to be different. And you've got to begin to believe in that and see it and visualize it and trust him with it. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck. And it's a bad place to get stuck. And some of you may have already stayed there for a while. Remember the Israelites roaming in the desert for 40 years? But suddenly, the plot twisted. They didn't wait, but their children got to see it. time for you to trust. It's time for you to believe. And as we conclude today, well, let me, let me read a scripture to you real quick. Jesus talked about when it's all said and done, when his story winds up here on earth, and it's going to wind up, his story. And we're looking at it, aren't we? He talked about there's going to be a great reversal there's going to be a massive plot twist in the end. Listen to what he said in Matthew 19. He said, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, if they saw the work of my kingdom to be more important than all of these things and people in their lives, if they've done that, they will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. What's he talking about? He's talking about a great reversal. And if you will focus your life on God's kingdom and what he wants you to do for the rest of your life, you can count on it. One day, the great reversal is going to happen. And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, God will show up and he'll be on the scene and he's going to lift us up out of here if we're alive and he's going to shake the graves and he's going to lift everybody who's been dead in Christ. Oh, it's going to be an amazing thing. Huge plot twist. It's going to be beautiful. So here's what we need to know. First, they didn't give up. They didn't give up. They trusted. They believed him. They believed him. And third, they entered their lives into the good side of his story. Are you on his side of the story? Because if you are, suddenly, it's going to happen. All things will come together. Would you bow your heads?
time to believe. It's time to believe. It's time to see yourself free from that addiction. Come on, get it in your mind what your life would look like if you weren't addicted. See it. What would you be doing for the kingdom of God? Would you have a family? Would you have a successful and healthy marriage? Working in God's church? Doing good things? It's time to see it. See yourself healthy and strong. Come on, visualize it. Out of debt. See it. Visualize it. God, we trust you. We trust you. And maybe you're here today and you've yet to see yourself even in the kingdom of God. And now is the time. God, I want to come into your kingdom. I believe in Jesus. And I accept him into my life. God, I want to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And, and this is so interesting today to know that you're a God who provides plot twists. You turn the tables. And so today I want to get to know you. I want to get to know all of the things about you and accept you into my life. I choose to love you. And I want to live the rest of my life to accommodate for you because I want to be considered one of those when you come to be taken into the air or when I die to be taken to be with you. I want to see you, God. And I choose today to believe that. I believe it. You're my God. From this day forward, my life will be changed by you. In Jesus' name.